0: Good morning, I'm glad to see everybody here, uh, it's a pretty, pretty day, uh, it was super, super cold when I left the house this morning, um, we seem to have had winter just move, fall right out of the way and come on in, and uh, it just strikes something in me when it's about 32 degrees in the morning, a big frost, and there's, it just there's a calling that makes me want to go and climb a tree and sit there with a rifle, and wait for a brown animal to walk out. And uh, there's just something spiritual about that for me. Um, some of you are like, spiritual? I'm like, yeah, it really is. I mean, it really, it, it runs deep. But uh, anyway, a lot of you guys, I've met many of you. My name's Chad Thompson. Um, a lot of you know that I work full-time in a construction firm. I get to work with some great people, but I get to also um, <clears throat> work with students here at Community Church. And we've got some great students and uh, they are some great families and uh, I think they we I think they enjoy hanging out with my wife and my boys more than they do me and they tolerate me. Um, like the other day we're walking I was somewhere and somebody said, Hey Mr. Chad and then like behind Oh Lindsay and they start going and I'm like, Oh hey, good to see you too And um but regardless, uh, we've got some great great kids and uh and I, I think they like my boys, too. And uh, I was look walking down the hall. One of my kids uh, got nominated to run for student council. And his posters were hanging up. And I went and looked at it. And I was like, that's a pretty cool slogan. I came up with that. And his older brother decided he wanted to put on the bottom of the poster paid for by the family of Easton Thompson. And um, so regardless, uh, but there's also, I failed to mention this in the first service, and I meant to, uh, we have an election Tuesday. And uh, I'm not getting up here to tell you who you should vote for. No, That's not my job. Um, but I am telling you that you have a right and you need to exercise it. And, uh, you know, we, we get a voice and you get your voice and you can cast your voice at the polls on Tuesday. And I know some of you in this, in this church are seeking office and we pray for you. And uh, we're lifting you guys up as well. And uh, we're thankful for you all. And uh, we're thankful that God is raising up people to run for office that love him. And so we're grateful for that. Uh, Fish is out today, obviously. I'm not Fish. You know that. And so uh, he's out for a wedding. And so we've been in a series that where we've dealt with identity. And, uh, you know, we talk about that we are made in God's image. So that is a huge part of our identity. But also our identity is formulated in what Christ says about us, and that's where our our identity has to rest. And so we've been in that, and we've talked through all those things, and we are starting, obviously this is the month of November, and the last Thursday of the month of November, we eat a lot of food, we watch football, and then the day after that, people get crazy and go shopping and do all kind of stupid things as well. But uh, regardless, so we talk about being thankful with thanksgiving so this month fish and Deshaun and myself are going to walk through various aspects of being thankful and how it brings about a life of gratitude service and generosity one of the ways you're going to see that next week is we have an opportunity with something we call serve the server you hear more about that in the end of our service this morning but that'll be next sunday um, november 10th but today i want to look at we're going to kind of set a foundation and what's our basis for being thankful Uh, And how should that drive us? So what I want us to look at, we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. We'll get there in just a few moments. Um, But in October of 1999, about 20 years ago, it was about 20 years ago. It was 20 years ago. uh, I was sleeping in my dorm room at Delta State and my phone rang about 11 p.m. on a Friday night. You're like, college student, Friday night, 11 p.m., why were you in the bed? But I had to be somewhere early the next morning, and it was pouring down rain, so I'm in the bed, and I reached over and grabbed the telephone. Each dorm room had a phone, had a cord to it. I know some of you children and kids, and you would like, what are those things with cords? Well, they plugged into the wall, and it rang, and you answered it, kind of like the things that go in our pockets these days. And so I got a phone call, and uh, it was a friend, specifically my recent ex-girlfriend, and she was calling coming back from home and she was driving late at night and she said, I'm sleepy. Would you just do me a favor and drive to Gren- and meet me in Grenada and follow me home or follow me back to campus? And I was like, sure, I'm a nice guy. Sure, most people, maybe I'm a nice guy. I don't know. So I decided I'll go do that. So being the good guy I was, I got out of bed, threw on some clothes and I headed toward Grenada. Uh, well, those that are close to me know that sometimes late at night it's not my shining moment, okay? So uh, unless I have a cup of ice or some sunflower seeds or something to keep me awake, I may struggle to stay awake driving. I've even, I mean, that, that's, that's just, I can drink two doc, two Mountain Dews and a Red Bull and go to sleep in five minutes. It has zero effect on me. I don't know why. And so, I'm driving, uh, they've, the term narcolepsy's been thrown around, I don't know, but that's, I don't think that's accurate, but, so, drive to Grenada, pouring down rain, about halfway there, my eyes get heavy, start struggling a little bit, well it's pouring down rain, so rolling the window down, and you know, letting the air blow, I could roll it down for a period of time, and stick my arm out there, and you know, get water and splash it on my face, do what I could, But I was exhausted, and so the last thing I remember was crossing Highway 49, and even wanted to try to pull up, I even pulled over one time and slapped myself a few times trying to make myself wake up, and I'm driving, and the last thing I remember is all the roads in the Delta are elevated, so they don't flood like the fields do, because there's no hills, obviously, and so I remember going off the left side of the road, and there was a, farmer's ramp where he'd go down into his field there and I hit it went up in the air truck flipped landed upside down and skidded to a halt and so I remember in that moment after everything had stopped I was like okay I'm still breathing I think kind of didn't really panic at the moment I hear the radiator hissing all the stuff going on I know I'm upside down because I'm hanging by my seatbelt airbags deployed, and I'm thrown into the center of the truck. I don't know how all that happened. It was a miracle. And so I reached behind me, turned the engine off for some reason. I hear the radio blaring. It was DC Talks Jesus Freak, which was the loudest thing I could think of, and I had it playing as loud as I could, trying to stay awake. Turned the engine off and reached behind myself, unbuckled my seatbelt, and crawled through the window, walked up to the road, looked at the vehicle upside down. I'm just like, oh, my word, how am I alive? And so no one would pick me up. People drive by. They see a guy trying to wave them down in the middle of nowhere. Nope, never mind. The truck's upside down in the ditch. Um, I guess they couldn't see that. And so nobody stops. So I start running, kind of panicked, to a little community called Phillip, which is right there on the side of Highway 8. First house I come to, and the guy's not going to let us almost you know right at midnight knock on the door the guy comes to the door and says who is it and I said sir I've had an accident he said you can't come in I'm like hold up just a second now eventually long story short he lets me in lets me use his phone dial nine one one, and give my parents that phone call that every parent loves and said hey I've had an accident I'm okay um I'm at someone's house, and the guy took care of me, doctored me up, and eventually apologized, and he said, sir, I'm sorry. Or he said, son, actually. He said, son, I'm sorry. He said, "I, um, we were robbed a few weeks ago, and <laughs> a little hesitant to open the door to anybody at this hour. And I said, I understand. I'm shocked that you even let me in to begin with. So I end up getting a highway patrolman to take me to Grenada, meet my parents. We go to a hotel room that night. I go fulfill my obligations the next morning. probably got in the bed around 3 a.m. or something like that, maybe a little later than that. All I had was some cuts on my elbows and some glass in my hair uh, from where I climbed out of the vehicle. My parents went and took pictures of everything. They went to the place where the vehicle had been towed, totaled my truck. I still miss that truck. I loved it. Um, But as I got the pictures back, we looked at them, I noticed that the driver's side had been completely crushed all the way down to the steering wheel, where my head should have been. And so somehow, miraculously, in the midst of all that, I'm thrown in the middle of the truck and survived with really just a few scratches and a miraculous story of being alive. And so as I look at those photos, it reminds me that I should be thankful because God, for whatever reason, decided to spare my life that night. Well even now i still have those pictures and i can go look at them and it reminds me and it's really quite harrowing to me that god spared my life and i should be grateful so 20 years have passed and even in the time after that i was extremely my gratitude toward god immensely increased not just for a day but for months to come and really that event was probably something that changed the trajectory of my life in some regards there were some things that were not good in my life at that point And God used that. But my gratitude toward God greatly increased because my life had been spared. Why was it in that moment and the ones that followed that I was utterly more thankful to God for sparing my life? And the reason I can come up with is because it was fresh. Because you remember. And we tend to forget. And I was reminded as I was thinking about today, I was like, man, that was 20 years ago. It was a long time. And so... It was fresh and it was remarkable and it was miraculous. And so for that, those types of things grab our attention and we become thankful our, and we give gratitude toward God in that. Yeah. But the things that are current or remarkable or miraculous, they tend to grab, grab us and they increase our thankfulness. And maybe for some of you, it might have been, hey, your report is the cancer has gone. It's in remission. Or maybe it was um, you got the job or the promotion that you've always wanted. Or maybe you have gotten to go work for yourself. Or maybe you got this scholarship offer. I, I don't know. Or maybe if you're a man that's lucky in here, a woman said yes to marry you. You should be grateful. Most every man should be grateful that a woman said yes. Regardless, when things tend to, quote, go our way, we think we thank God. Or the other is, when we've been spared from something, when we have something that could have been life-altering or maybe even life-ending, we tend, our gratitude toward God tends to increase. Would you agree with that? I think so. But the question is, how does thankfulness become our norm? How does it become just normal and a part of who we are? How do we make it a lifestyle? But, because ultimately, and I, I believe this, a life of thankfulness becomes a life of generosity. A life of generosity becomes a life of serving. And a life of serving becomes a life of impact. I, don't, I think really deep down, if we all were honest with ourselves, I don't believe any of us just want to exist. If we're honest, now you may, some of you may have a different answer for that at this moment, but I think if you really search, you really want your life to mean something. You want, when you draw your last breath, that there has been an impact because you were on this earth. A lot of us desire that, but a lot of us don't run after that. So how is it that we get to that point? I want us to look at Luke chapter 17. We're going to look at verses 11 through 19. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he, which is Jesus, was passing, between, passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he were met by ten lepers. Who stood at a distance, and lifting up, lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests, and as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Jesus, then Jesus answered, Where are not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. So what I want us to do, I want us to go back and unpack. There's a lot of stuff going on here. There's a lot of things we need to look at. So I want us to go back to verse 11, and we're going to kind of just walk through and kind of look at a few things. We need to understand the context Ultimately, when things are writ- written, in order to fully understand what's going on, you have to understand the context of what's going on around it. Um, so, in verse 11, this is Jesus on his way to Jerusalem. This was his final trip to Jerusalem, the trip to Jerusalem that's going to get him killed. He knows that. So, also, Jesus is at the end of three years of ministry, and so what you have is a man who's at the height of his popularity. In our words today, he would have been gone viral at this point. Okay, And so this is the one where he's eventually going to be crucified. If you go into to verse 12, it says he entered a village and he was met by ten lepers. Now when we talk about leprosy, we know it's a skin disease. Okay, But what we're looking at here is not just specifically leprosy. You, got, you would have colonies of people or groups of people who are outcasts. And so this basically here means they could have had a variety of skin diseases, many of which were contagious. Those with leprosy also were not just considered to have a skin disease, they were considered by the Jews ceremonially unclean, and anyone who touched them would be as well. To be reinstated in a Jewish society, they, after they are healed or they have, they have become better, if they were, then they must present themselves to the priest in order to be reinstated or to be allowed back into society. Into society the lepers are required to keep a distance due to contagious aspects and uncleanness. Well, let's keep going in verse 13. It says, they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. A lot of times in the New Testament, you're going to see people refer to Jesus as teacher. You may see them refer to him as Rabbi. But here, how did they refer to him? They said, Jesus, Master. So there's an intellectual understanding of who he is at this point so they understand who Jesus is and they say Jesus master have mercy on us when he saw them he said to them go show yourselves to the priests as they went they were cleansed so the question is going to be were they healed the moment Jesus said Jesus said to them go show yourselves to the priests they weren't healed at that moment necessarily. There was an act of faith that followed that. And so what they did is as they were going, they start noticing, hey, my, do you see this? Can you imagine these guys? They've been hanging out together and they're walking and all they're saying, well, Jesus said go see the priest. He's, he's saying we're going to show ourselves, so I, I guess we're going to be healed. I don't know. And as they're walking and going that way, they begin to notice, hold up, my arm looks different. Hey, man. Look, look at you. you th- those, those sores are gone. And so those guys were healed. And then in verse 15, it says one of them realizes it. One of them, he says, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God in a loud voice. Now, did he ever make it to the priest? I don't know. But he started going that way. And he's like, oh, Jesus did this. He, Jesus told us to go. So I'm hold up. I see what's taking place here. So there's a realization of what's going on, but not just a realization of what's going on. He realizes who accomplished it. He realizes who accomplished it. Verse 16. He fell on his fell on his uh, face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Well, the word thanks here in the Greek is Eucharist Eucharistio. I've taken Greek class. That's about it. I'm not a Greek translator. I can study and read what people say about Greek. I do know from reading and looking, and it says that Eucharistio, the root of the word is charis, C H A R I S, which, if you look at that, is going to be similar to our word for charity. Okay? So if you see this, charis is the root word which means grace. So in this guy's thanks, thankfulness, he goes. And he, is in his thanksgiving, in his giving thanks, he sees that he is unworthy of the healing that he got. He's got some undeserved favor over him. It means that he's done nothing to deserve this. And so he goes and falls at Jesus' feet and praises him and thanks him. Verse 17, Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give, God, give praise to God except this foreigner? The foreigner is a Samaritan. You go back to verse 16. It says, now he was a Samaritan. There's emphasis in the passage on the word he, on the noun he there. And so he was a Samaritan. Luke puts emphasis on that. And in their day and time, it would, the crowd that's reading this would have understood, oh, this is kind of a big deal. Jews and Samaritans make Mississippian State and Old Miss fans look like best buddies. Okay? So they did not get along. You guys have heard this. Some of you have heard this your whole life. They did not get along, would not even speak to each other. Many times the Jews would take a longer trip to get to Jerusalem just to avoid going through the country where the Samaritans lived. So one out of the ten comes back, and that one is a Samaritan. Ten percent came back to give thanks. Thanks. And Jesus says, well, where's the rest of them? Verse 19. He said to him, he said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now, if we were to say this, we'd say, well, I went to the doctor and they gave me a shot and I'm well. Well, in this situation here, the word well literally means saved. He said, rise, your faith has healed you. You are saved. Okay, you are well. Remember, he's already been physically healed, Right. So what you have as a result of all this is that you basically have ten lepers were physically and temporarily healed. They were healed in their physical life. And you had one who was physically healed, but also spiritually healed. There's two different things in that regard. But I really want us to look at this today. There's a lot of similarities between us and the other nine lepers when it really comes down to it. And so I've got a couple, it should raise some questions about ourselves and a couple of questions that I want to ask this morning and that we need to ask. And the first one I want to say, ask is this, is do we love Jesus for what he gives or because of who he is? So That's a different thing, right? Do we love him for what he gives or because of who he is? So we all live in the South. Some of you may have grown up elsewhere. We live in the Bible Belt here. And so we need to unpack this and say, many of us are familiar with the gospel and God's blessing. We understand that Jesus is the way to salvation. You've probably heard that. But we are also but are we familiar with falling in love with the person of Jesus? Are we only concerned about receiving God's blessing and experiencing eternity or the other experiencing eternity in heaven, or the opposite of that, just missing hell? Are we, are we only concerned about his blessing? that we've missed the idea of who God is and knowing him. Let me give you an example of how we might could understand this. So I, Lindsay, my wife, is sitting here in the middle, and so Lindsay's a good cook, and I like to eat a lot, like a whole lot, like often, like 24-7 probably, okay? Like if we go on a trip, I want to talk about where we're eating, Or if I wake up in the morning thinking about what I'm going to eat for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I mean, it's and so my wife's a good cook, and if I were to go up to Lindsay and say, Lindsay, I really love you because you're a good cook. Well, that could be something I love about her, but is that really what causes me to love her? It should be that I love her because I know her, because I've pursued her, because I'm trying to get to know her as I figure out what it is that she loves or that makes her feel loved, as as I experience a relationship with her, then I should understand more of who she is. And it's really the same way with God. So many times we fall in love for what God can give us, not because of who he is, not because of who Jesus is. And so knowing Jesus more intimately would fuel a life of gratitude and thankfulness Because it gives a clearer picture of who we are in comparison to who he is. The more you learn about him, the more you learn about yourself. So the more we see of who Jesus is, the more we understand, oh, I'm not him. I don't measure up. I'm not going to be him. And so for us, when we see ourselves through the lens of who God really is, we realize how grateful we should be to have the gift that he gives. Second thing is this, how do we get away from just thankfulness in the, quote, big things and live thankful in daily things? 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul is, is finishing up his letter to the church there, and he says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. We'll get to some of that in just a minute, but how do we live a life that is thankful daily? Well, it is no secret that especially American people are distracted people. I think we would all agree with that. We are busy. It is one of the big, enemy's biggest plots against us is that the big, busy person becomes a distracted person, the distracted person becomes a stressed person, The stressed person becomes a frustrated person, and the frustrated person will become the much less than thankful person, and quite honestly, which is a selfish person. The busier we become, the more it becomes about us and the person that we see in the mirror every day. And so what happens is we end up in a place where we say yes, 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 we add, we add, we add, we add, we fill our schedule, we fill our schedule, and then there's no margin. I don't struggle with this at all. That's a lie. It's probably my biggest struggle on this planet, okay? But we are in a place where we add and add and add. With four boys in our home, somebody always has an activity. There's always a ball game. There's always a practice. There's always something to turn in at school. There's always something going on. And so there's always kids' kids activities, work, church activities, clubs, committees, trips, on and on and all these things dictate our lives is what it comes back to and so when something unexpected happens which it i don't know if y'all notice this unexpected things happen daily because they're going to happen when unexpected things happen we don't have margin for anything else and then we become frustrated my wife is sitting here saying amen chad preach to yourself because i am And so what happens is we get frustrated and we get stressed and then we don't become thankful people. We struggle with margin in our lives, so ultimately we have to come to a place where we have to, really, if we're honest people, myself included, we should lay everything out on the table and say, what's necessary? I mean, there's a lot of things that we think are necessary because we think that we are more important than we really are. Myself included. There's a lot of stuff that I think I have to be a part of because I think nobody else can do that job but me. That's not true. That is not true. I don't want you to take this today and walk away from here and say, well, Chad just gave us permission to say no to everything. That's not what I said. Don't take my words out of context, okay? What we are talking about is that we are okay to go and say no sometimes. And sometimes we need to sit down and reevaluate. Hey, what's going on here? I don't have any margin. Why do I not have any margin? Oh, well, these three things are not necessary that I do. So what we have to do is we get into a place where we approach this. What we're doing is we're really saying once I reach the next level, oh, once this report's done, once this is done at work, once the kids get out of school, once I reach retirement, once I do this, then I'll have margin. I will not be as stressed. I will not be as frustrated. I will be more thankful. That day never comes. It doesn't come because we keep pushing it out, pushing it out, pushing it out, and we don't get there. Ann Voskamp said this. She said, if you aren't noticeably grateful with what you have right now, why do you think you would be noticeably joyful when you have more? Or you could replace that with, if you aren't noticeably grateful with the stage you're at right now, why do you think you'll be noticeably joyful when you're at a different stage? If we're not grateful here, just because we add more things or get to a next level doesn't mean it's automatically going to happen. Last thing, how do we give thanks in all A-L-L? All caps. How do we give thanks in all circumstances? Life isn't always easy. For some of you, it may seem easier than others, but there are going to be times that it's going to be difficult. Sometimes it's going to be downright unbearable. John Bloom said this on the Desiring God in an article. He said, uh, "How do we give thanks in all circumstances, especially when our circumstances are horrible?" He said, what fuels thanksgiving when it seems to be one death, one disease, one disappointment, and one discouragement right after another? Future joy has to fuel your thankful endurance, not your present circumstances. Grumbling will be the forever accent of hell, and gratitude is the forever accent of heaven. Guys, as much as this is difficult, we talk about building, well, this is, our, this is our forever home. Somebody goes and builds a house or buys a house or something, they say, well, this is our forever home. You don't have a forever home here. If you are a child of the king, you don't have a forever home on this planet. And this is difficult for us to, this is not home. This life is temporary, but it is important. The life we are living right now is never, going to fulfill the moment where you feel like you've quote-unquote arrived. It's not going to. That's for each and every one of us in here. If you're a teenager in here today, don't think that the moment you get out of mom and dad's house is going to be the moment life begins. It may be the moment you do some stupid stuff, <laughs> for sure, but it is the, you keep looking for the next level to satisfy you, and it doesn't do it because this part of your life was never meant to fully satisfy you forever you are you were for something further this is not your home this isn't it I'll ask a band if they would go ahead and make their way back up here if you don't have a relationship with Jesus this doesn't make sense to you this simply is not home it is temporary and we can live a life of thankfulness regardless of circumstance. Some of you are like, Chad, you don't know my circumstances. You're right, I don't. You don't know mine either. But we live in a broken, sinful world. It's been that way for a long time. And so we live in a place that, is, that circumstances are going to change. They're not always going to be great. There's always going to be difficulty. And as we pray and thank God for the things in our lives, many times the fact that here's what we do. We we thank God for everything but salvation. I want you to think about this with me for just a second. Many times in your prayers, what do we pray about? God, thank you for my family. God, thank you for my home. Thank you for my job. God, thank you for my friends. God, thank you for the food. Hallelujah. Amen. Um, God, thank you for all these things in my life. But do we sit down and spend time really pray? God, thank you that you made me alive. You made me alive. Not better. God didn't God didn't come to he didn't send Jesus to create a better version of you. He created a new you. You are alive because of Jesus. You were dead. Now you're alive. Not you were a, just asleep. You were dead. And because of Jesus, you can be alive. And so many times, we don't spend very much time thanking God for that. We don't say, God, thank you that I get to live eternally because of you. I'm not saying we shouldn't thank God for our families and all these things, but the thing that should be the biggest deal to us is the thing we spend the least amount of time being grateful for. Can we come to an understanding where this life, not this physical life, but the eternal one, comes from? Just like this Samaritan leper did. Guys, God, lives, God desires for us to live thankful more than just the month of November. Man, we talk about Thanksgiving, and that's, that's great. I think that's a great holiday, one of my favorites. But God desires for us to live a life of gratitude. A life of gratitude honestly becomes a life of impact. You weren't, you're not still on this earth just to occupy oxygen. You're on this earth to make an impact for his kingdom. And that only starts when we live life grateful and thankful. We're all guilty of this. I am supremely guilty, so don't think I'm casting stones at you today. We are guilty of this but praise god that we get another opportunity if you're still breathing you've got another opportunity and so praise god that we get that Would you pray with me god thank you for today god i thank you that you have given us life through jesus not just a better version of ourselves god you've given us life through your son um you've given us a future hope where we didn't have a future and so god i just pray today that as we uh as we reflect on that, as we talk about that. God, I pray that you would uh, help us to recognize your goodness. Help us to see that you are more than just the gifts that you give us. You are God Almighty. You are the one that's worthy of us pursuing. And so, Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this day that we've had. And God, would your word and your Holy Spirit move in us? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, one of the ways that we as a church get an opportunity to, to be thankful, to, to remember what Christ has done for us, is through communion. And uh, so, we, what we do is we remember what Jesus did with his disciples at the Last Supper. So, they're there celebrating the Passover, and Jesus goes and he, he says, Hey, guys, he said, We're going to celebrate the Passover. And he said, but also in the midst of this, he said, we're going to give thanks. Now, you need to understand that Jesus was going to be killed in 24 hours. And there he is with his disciples, and he says, we are going to give thanks. I don't think his circumstances changed his thankfulness. And so what he did, he took the bread and he said, each of you, he said, this is my body. And he said, I want you to remember as I do this that my body is going to be broken. And he said, what I want you to do is, he said, when you take this bread, I want you to remember that this is my body for you. And he also took a cup. He said, as you take a cup, he said, I want you to remember something else. Not that just my body was broken, but also that my blood was spilled on your behalf. And he said, I want you to do all this in remembrance of me. And so that's one of the things that we celebrate as a body of believers in the church. And so the me- I don't know what your background is and how, what you grew up in, but this is a method we call intinction. where you, It's a church word that simply means where you take the bread and you dip it in the cup and where you're remembering what Christ has done for you. And I know some of you come from different backgrounds, but what we are saying today is this table is open to all believers, those who have Christ as their Savior. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to ask our servers if you would come down. We're going to have three stations and the way we'll do this. If you're in this section on my left, your right, you guys will come down to this station here to partake of the Lord's Supper. If you're in this middle section, I'm going to ask you if you'll go out there and into the hallway with Jake and Misty, and they'll serve you in the back. And so you'll exit that way. And you'll go out the back and come back around to your seat. And those of you who are on my right, your left, you will come down and you will partake here. We have much to be thankful for. I want to pray and bless our our time together. God, you are good. I thank you that we get to celebrate your life. We get to celebrate the life you give us. We get to celebrate the life Jesus gave for us. And Lord, would this not be some religious ritual today where we just come together and we do something we've done many, many times, that God, would we be thankful that you've given us life? We were not just a bad person made better, we were a dead person made alive. So God, would you take this time together and would we focus on you? Would you create a life of gratitude in and through us? And would you be honored through it? In Jesus' name, amen. When I ask you to stand where you are, and would you please come?